Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. Markets have been producing some extremely strong returns here recently. I even saw a video from someone on TikTok who has apparently done so well that they quit their day job and have taken up trading full time. Well, we don't want to take any away from that person's good fortunes. Returns recently have been certainly abnormal, with many assets separating themselves from underlying fundamentals. Which begs the question, are we in a bubble? And if so, what should we do about it? Bubble? What bubble? I mean, I think it's fairly normal for a company to be up 743% like Tesla was in 2020. And at the time, Tesla was added to the S&P 500 in December. It had the market cap greater than the combined values of the following automotive companies. Toyota, Volkswagen, GM, Ford, Honda, and Nissan, again, combined. Or take the most recent one, GameStop, which I actually didn't even know still existed because I thought they were only in malls and I didn't think malls existed. But GameStop has been up over 100% numerous times in one day in the month of January. So I'm not saying these stocks are in a bubble, but those are some pretty amazing returns over a relatively short time period. And while company fundamentals did likely change during that time, I doubt that they changed that much. Yeah, so GameStop didn't come 100% better in a day. And either this is a classic example of a bubble or uh, there's going to be a lot more people gaming than we thought. So one of those two things is going to happen. But when we think about bubbles, probably the first thing that comes to mind is the 1990s tech bubble. But bubbles are common throughout history. What will be considered the first bubble in history is the Dutch tulip mania, which occurred in the 1630s. In short, the price of tulip bulbs rose to incredibly high levels, kind of like GameStop stock in the couple, last couple of days. And there were a number of factors that contributed to this. The tulip had different characteristics than other flowers, namely their beautiful colors. The Dutch economy was doing incredibly well at the time. And the tulip became a luxury item, a sign of status. Prices skyrocketed, but that happens from time to time. What makes bubbles different is that people's behavior and decision-making change her behavior sets in and the underlying price of assets skyrockets because of the ways people rationalize that it should. When I first got in this industry and wanted to learn more, someone suggested that I read the book Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles Mackay, which was written in 1841, so 180 years ago. Bubbles have been around a really long time. This is not anything new. Bubbles are something that have occurred throughout history, and while all are a little bit different, they all also share some of the same characteristics. So let, let's go through through a few bubbles, and, and this first one I had, hadn't even heard about when, when I was looking. So this one was called the South Sea Bubble, and this occurred in England back in the 1720s. And basically, from my understanding, is uh, investors from all over the country invested in this company called the South Sea Company which the government had given a monopoly to trading with South America. And in return, they would exchange government debt into shares of the company. So in turn, many of the government holders of debt now own shares of the South Sea Company. Great stories were told about the riches that they were finding in South America. So it really hyped up this company. They started pushing up company shares as new investors from England and abroad purchased shares of the company. Long story short, shares went from about 100 pounds per share all the way up to 1,000 before crashing back to 100. In the 1920s, we had a stock market that was had an incredible run 
but ultimately ended in the crash in 1929 that led to the Great Depression. Strong market was again fueled by many new investors, this time many that were investing on margin. Ironically, it took this crash to create many of the institutions that exist today, like the FDIC, the SEC, and the Investment Company Act. And then lastly, I'm sure we all remember this, is Beanie Babies. So a little bit different in that it wasn't financial assets, but I do remember owning one or two Beanie Babies, not for profit, but as a reminder, these are toys that sold for around $5, I believe, um, but they were selling in the secondary markets for thousands of dollars in mint condition. You had people investing life savings in them, and then boom, they were worthless or basically worth as much as you would pay for a pellet-filled toy. Yeah, so I actually had a friend from college whose father was a lawyer and actually accepted Beanie Babies as payment when their <laughs> client couldn't pay with cash. So. Uh, if I had to guess, they'd go back and change that decision. But bubbles usually start out with a paradigm or a theme that attracts investors. In the toilet mania, it was a new flowers and their colors. In the 1920s, it was a higher economic prosperity and the creation in the, of the Fed. In the tech bubble, it was a new technology and the higher potential economic growth. These shifts and stories really can be the beginnings of the bubble and attract people's attention. It's also worth noting that the story or paradigm shift is not necessarily wrong. Rather, they can just be enough of a teaser to make people think, hey, this time is different. So as more and more attention is given to the event or the theme or the stock, more and more people want to get in. FOMO sets in. Other people start to join in because, hey, making this money seems so easy. Get me in on this. The people that are already making money let their investments ride or in many cases double down. I mean, again, why get out when the going is so good? This is when euphoria sets in and prices really start moving higher. One of the major characteristics of a bubble is the herd behavior that happens. As Shane just described, the euphoria. People just can't help themselves and want a piece of the action. They ignore the warning signs and start making irrational decisions. The prices we see on TV or on our computer screens are just the result of supply and demand for a given security. If there are more buyers in a given day than sellers, the price has to go up and vice versa. Eventually, Everyone realizes that this can't continue forever. Going back to the GameStop example that we've used a couple times today, it just can't go up 100% day after day. The company is just not justifying that. I mean, as good as it sounds, it just can't. There's no justifiable reason for it. So eventually, some people start taking their profits. And then that herd behavior that propelled the stock higher is eventually going to reverse course. And then people, more people start selling than buying, and then prices go down at the end of the bubble that tends to be rather substantial. So a very common saying is pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. So when I look back to the tech bubble, one of the more interesting stories I found that I, again, hadn't known of was about a company called Pets.com. And it was one of really four online pet stores that came about during the tech bubble. And this one happened to be the most popular, mainly because they had a cool mascot and a catchy slogan. So Pets.com IPO'd in February 2000 despite not knowing how to ship large dog food bags, which would seem like a necessity for a company like pets.com. So share started at $11 a share, went up to $14 a share on IPO day. And then by November, shares traded about 19 cents a share when they declared bankruptcy. And by the way, even smart people get fooled. A small company called amazon.com owned a 30% stake in pets.com. So again, are there some signs that we are in a bubble today? 
The answer to that question is yes. Prices on some have assets have risen substantially and valuations do seem pretty high. The next question is, is the environment we are in conducive to pr promoting a bubble? And the answer to that question is absolutely. We have a highly uncertain time economically given the pandemic, and that would usually cause asset prices to decline. What's really causing the market to move so much higher is the market's forward-looking nature and the massive amounts of stimulus provided from the Fed and other central banks and governments throughout the world. In short, the Fed has essentially said that they were going to do whatever is needed to support the economy, and this is fueling speculation on how strong the economy will actually be. So again, like Joe said, there are certainly signs that we are in the early stages of a bubble, in an environment and policy approach that promotes a bubble. But whether or not we are really in a bu bubble will depend on many things, but most importantly, how the economy recovers and how fast businesses grow and how long the Fed remains accommodative. One could argue that given the amount of stimulus, the pent-up demand that there is, and the forced adoption of technology, in theory, economic growth could be high and some of these valuations could actually be reasonable. So are we in a bubble definitively? The answer is we don't know that question for sure, but it looks like we're in the beginning stages of one. But let's assume for a moment that we are in a bubble, or at least in the early stages of one. What are some things we should consider? First, do your best to remove any behavioral biases. No, you're not a genius. We are in a bubble. That doesn't mean you can't try to be a genius, but make sure you're trying to make rational decisions. So behavioral biases play a huge role in investing, but especially when it comes to stocks that have done well and could potentially be in a bubble. So just a couple of these biases I'll go over. And the first one is self-attribution bias. This is basically assuming a stock went up because I'm a genius and I bought it. But when another stock goes down, you think, oh, it went down because it's a bad company. Or hindsight bias, where you look and say, of course Tesla is an amazing company, and I'll buy it now after it was up 740% last year. When in reality, Tesla struggled for many, many years before it has done so well. But if you're diversified, bubbles probably won't affect you, or at least won't affect you as much. People who didn't own 100% tech stocks before the tech bubble burst understood this, but they felt the pain for years as everyone else was making money hand over fist until they all went bankrupt. Next, have an open mindset. Shane and I do this for a li living. We watch this stuff every day and we learn something new every day. We're still surprised by how much we don't know. Be willing to read as much as possible. Be willing to read information or opinions that contradict your point of view. This will ultimately make you more informed investors, expand your perspective, and help you manage some of those behavioral biases that Shane just described. Yeah, and, and understand it's going to be impossible to time the end of a bubble. Doesn't mean you can't, just means that if you do, you probably got lucky, but being lucky is okay, right? Just might not happen next time. But if we assume for a moment that you aren't going to time it right, really one of two things will occur. Either A, you will get out too early and miss some of the upside, or B, you will get out too late and catch some of the downside. By taking this point of view that you're not gonna time it right, you put yourself in a better position to make these decisions. Next, set some rules for yourself to help navigate these challenges. For example, set constraints on your speculative positions. You don't wanna put all of your eggs in one basket, and so maybe you have a certain portion of your portfolio, let's say 30 or 40% in different speculative positions. This will help constrain the damage if you're wrong in terms of timing or wrong in terms of security selection. You can also rebalance from time to time. That's a tried and true investment 
measure that you can take to reduce your risk over time. And something we've always stressed on here is having an emergency reserve that is not invested, that's always in cash that can help meet your daily cash flow needs in case something unexpected arises, like you lose your job or you have some medical expenses or whatever the case might be. Ultimately, that'll help you sleep better at night and it'll also help you ride out any market volatility should it come. And if you're doing really well, that's great. But maybe it's not the best idea to quit your day job. We in no way want to speak negatively of other successes, nor do we want to discourage anyone. But historically speaking, making money is not as easy as it has been since the March bottoms in 2020. Said another way, don't make an assumption that recent returns will continue forever. They may continue for some time. How long that will be is really the hard question. If you haven't been in the game yet, don't completely ignore it. Have some exposure, especially in a retirement account. Bubbles can last for a while, and given the uncertainties economically, the Fed is going to remain accommodated for some time. Don't let the fear of the bubble bursting prevent you from having any exposure at all. This comment may seem to contradict a lot of the information we have just went over, but the point is of bursting the bubble will be difficult to time. So, so don't be at either extreme, either all in the market in some speculative stuff or completely out of the market all in cash. Try to find a balance and use some of these other measures that we have discussed. And keep your eyes peeled for signs of everyday life that we might be in a bubble. Random people asking about the market or giving stock tips or Bitcoin. Back in 2017, everyone was asking me about Bitcoin, even to the extent that I was asked on a Grand Canyon rafting trip when we didn't even have access to the internet. So some of these might point at there might be a bubble in some of these assets. Or even the recent GameStack price action. That would be a classic sign that we have elements of a bubble. So to review some of the things we went over today, the recent activity in the market suggests that there are certainly signs that we are in a bubble. Again, the whole situation with GameStop is a classic example. Herd mentality has set in and returns have been extraordinarily strong. Bubbles are actually something that have happened throughout history, whether it be the Dutch tulip mania, the South Sea bubble, or the tech bubble. They're all different, but they all have some of the same attributes, which eventually leads to euphoria and herd behavior that push the price to historically high levels. That eventually ends and prices decline. At the end of the day, we can't control the market. All we can do is make good decisions. Try to make sure you're removing behavioral biases. Understand that you're probably not a genius and got a bit lucky. Read as much as you can and try to get some contradictory views. And use tried and true measures like rebalancing. Always have emergency reserve. All of this will make you a better investor and allow you to participate on some of the good times and the upside, but also minimize the negatives on the downside. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Relatable Finance. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at provwealth.com or check out our website at relatablefinancepodcast.com. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA, and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. 
Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.